lead by example in those in those areas where let's get those votes, let's move forward. And if we can unify with a two seat majority, how powerful would that be? Yeah. And and there are things that we're going to have the opportunity to unify on, and we must do that. Hey, Aaron, I appreciate here. Uh, yeah, as you can probably hear, we've been feeding a little bit of extra audio there. Sorry for our stations if there's a little bit of a bleed over there. But, uh, yeah, still uh, having some impacts from those power outages yesterday. And so... Uh, and so, yeah, we we our, our local uh, our local feed here wanted to keep feeding audio uh, for uh, for the stations uh, during the uh, the top of the hour update there. So, yeah, for our our stations elsewhere across Montana, still having just a couple of a uh, couple of uh, issues following yesterday's big power outage in the Billings area. The the one big issue is well, as you heard, you didn't hear the big show opener, and then when we toss to uh, to our break. You know, some folks will be playing commercials. Some folks will have news, weather, or a farm and ranch report. You name it. Um, it may not fire the way it normally fires. So we'll keep feeding audio just in case uh, some of those uh, uh, stations it didn't have the ability to fire their local their local break here. So that's one inside baseball thing. The other inside baseball thing is for you, our listeners. Hey, uh, later this hour, we're going to take your phone calls. You can jump in on the conversation with whatever you want to talk about. Uh, But here's the deal. Our inbound phone lines are still having some issues, but we can call you. So if you message us on our Montana Talks app, send your phone number to our producer, Travis, and then he will call you. And that's how you will get a chance to be heard all across Montana this morning here with Montana Talks. And by the way, that quick little audio uh, blip that you just heard there, that was my chat with uh, Texas Congressman August Pfluger down at the SHOT Show in Las Vegas that we were feeding out there. And uh, all of that audio is on our Montana Talks podcast right now. Hey, well, we've got uh, some great sponsored uh, content for you kicking off the top of the show here this morning. Uh, Our friends with Americans for Prosperity Montana uh, and with Concerned Veterans for America Montana are in the house. Chris Ingett with uh, Concerned Veterans for America Montana is in studio with us. You know, we could have had him call in, but, you know, we're still having these kind of technical things. So, But, Chris, it's good to see you in person anyway. Thanks for being with us. Absolutely, Aaron. Thanks for having me back in here. I always appreciate getting to come in and, and talk with you about uh, all the different stuff uh, affecting veterans in our community. Yeah, well, you know, you, you gave a, a nice surprise phone call in. I think it was last Friday. But uh, uh, so I've got a headline in front of me here. Inspectors report former Montana VA chief of staff violated policies for care. This is a report by Jonathan and Barry in the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs Office of Inspector General released their findings on Tuesday. Um, well, we can talk about that specific story, but but more broadly, uh, you, Concerned Veterans for America Montana, you guys actually teamed up uh, with our, our, our members of Congress to try to hold the VA accountable and hold these listening sessions all across Montana. Absolutely, and we got veterans together to tell their story, just like this these, these people in these OIG reports, to let them share their stories of what it what care looks like in the VA and 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 it's not pretty and it 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 isn't actually beneficial for veterans today and when veterans are waiting six months or more just to get an appointment and then you get an appointment with somebody who's not even actually given the right credentials to to practice in that clinic uh, are you actually getting the care that you need that's right okay Chris Ingett hold that thought we're gonna we're gonna toss to our our local uh, commercial breaks here Um, if it fires but Travis, stand by because I'll keep chatting with Chris in the meantime.
All right, Aaron Flint here with Montana Talks. Yeah, we've got Chris Ingot with Concerned Veterans for America, Montana, in the house with us. Chris, I saw this story. It was the Jonathan Amberian report for the Montana Television Network. Uh, a report from a federal inspector says a former chief of staff at the Montana VA healthcare system violated policies for care and that agency leaders had deficiencies in their oversight. I don't know about you, but my initial reaction to this story was, uh, yeah, but it wasn't just that guy. It wasn't just this leader. It wasn't just that chief of staff. The VA in Montana, great men and women that work in our, in our VA clinics all across the state, you know, doctors, nurses, other care providers. But yeah. the bureaucrats at the top have consistently been failures, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and we see these OIG reports happening again and again and again. And even now, you know, there's there's now new funding for a, a, a veteran home in Mile City. But you look at the OIG reports that have that have come out about the veteran home that's currently in Mile City and the abuse and neglect. I think that OIG report actually said gross misconduct by the VA in in regards to to patients at the at the home and so these these are the things that veterans are facing when they're in the va and when they're when they have to use utilize that care and they don't have any other options this is this is what they're facing yeah and 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 we know i mean look our, our friend george blackard who at one point george was the vice commander for the american legion in montana i mean george is such a great servant to his fellow veterans but even george was telling us like when he would raise legitimate concerns about about issues inside the VA or if he would step up to go to bat for a fellow veteran, that there were political operatives that worked for, for Democrat Senator John Tester that, that would then use his power in the Senate to politically target George Blackard, mm-hmm. not just with inside the VA, but they would go out to the care providers that he used as a veteran. And and, and I bring that up to say that, that John Tester has consistently had his thumb on the leadership at the VA because of, you know, first Obama being in the White House, then Biden being in the White House. And, and now he's chair of the, of the Veterans Affairs Committee. Well, no wonder we got VA workers processing claims for illegal aliens. Yeah, absolutely. And and his bills consistently have have worked to undermine the the Mission Act of 2018 and um this this VA administration now currently is is choosing which laws and regulations that they want to follow and and it's all under John Tester's oversight and and his bills like this making uh, care the community work for Veterans Act that he tried to push last year with with no support from from Democrats, no support from Republicans. It actually uh would have taken away the ability for veterans in Montana to, to seek urgent care on their own. If you got an urgent care problem, his bill would have mandated you contact the VA, and then they have 48 hours to schedule you that appointment for urgent care. Uh, but we're we're looking at an urgent care problem. He, everything that he's doing is actually working to undermine veterans' uh, access to care. He wants to, and this is classic flip-flop flat top. He wants to, on one hand, say, oh, no, no, I support VA choice. I support choice for veterans. And on the other hand, undermine VA choice because he wants people to be in a government system at government facilities. And so he wants to undermine your local hospital, your local uh, clinic, so that veterans are forced into a government-only system, which is why I know you've been speaking out and concerned veterans for america montana have been speaking out in the senate race you called in last friday and said you are formally endorsing navy seal veteran tim sheehy in the the u.s senate race 
because Tester will try to use his perch as the VA committee chair to to try to lure some veterans into voting for him. Yeah, Concerned Veterans for America Action has endorsed Tim Sheehy. And we got a, a decorated combat veteran. You know, really, when you look at this, who's going to care more about veterans? Uh, a farmer who's not actually that great of a farmer and, and undermines veteran health care access all the time or an actual veteran who sacrificed blood, sweat, and tears for our country, put his life on the line all across the globe to ensure that, that we got to keep having the country and the freedoms that we have today. He's put his life on the, on the line for that. Um, there's no better person that we can actually look to to, to go into the to the Senate and actually fight for veterans' rights here in Montana. He's got more than one Purple Heart. You're a Purple Heart veteran. Absolutely. He's taken literal shots for this country, and now look at the cheap shots they're throwing at him right now. These are some of the phoniest oh, uh, political just, yeah. ads you've seen. And they're just, that's all they are. They're political ads, and there's nothing, uh, there's no substance to them. Um, and, and so really, uh, the thing that I like about Tim Sheehy is that he's all about solutions. He's all about moving forward and how do we work together, how do we make this stuff happen, uh, and, and, and knowing that he's going to continue to fight, and he's fought very, very, very hard for our country, and he's going to continue that same fight in Congress. Yeah, actually, earlier this morning, I was able to catch up with Montana Senator Steve Daines, and Steve Daines, I hope, uh, put the final nail in the coffin of his sham of a so-called border bill. Uh, and so I, I asked him about that. If I have time today, I'll, I'll play that for you. But but really, not only did Senator Steve Daines come out against this border, uh, this sham border bill, uh, so did Tim Sheehy, so did, of course, Congressman Rosendale, and so did Congressman Zinke. And so imagine if we had four people voting for Montana right now instead of just three. Right. And, yeah, the, the border is something that affects all of us in Montana. We're seeing it with the, the fentanyl uh, epidemic that's going on, the mental health issues that we're facing here in Montana. The border is a really, really big issue to Montana. And uh, this this bill, and it's it's another th thing that you know that Tester can just continue to do. He will he will put one little thing in there for the border, um, saying that he's actually going to protect American interests. Um, well, the majority of that bill is for everything else. Uh, the, a small portion of it actually goes for the border, just like he's doing with these veteran bills. A small portion actually helps, but the majority of it doesn't. But even if you get a bill across the finish line to help veterans, you undermine it in the bureaucracy. Correct. It's just like Joe Biden can claim he he passes a border bill, but then he under there's laws on the books to secure a border right now, but he's not. He's undermining it within the bureaucracy. Same thing right. that Tester is doing with veterans. Chris Ingett with Concerned Veterans for America, Montana. Um, I've got another great guest coming up right after the break here. I told you Rob Cheney with the Missoulian had a fascinating report talking about the upcoming nuclear missile upgrade about to start here in Montana. We're going to talk with Rob Cheney right after this. Um, so I'll do a quick pause here. Chris, stay and chat with me during the break just for any of our stations that that uh, that that are still carrying our audio if, if the local break doesn't fire. But actually, I. All right. Aaron Flint here with Montana Talks. Yeah. Apologies to our stations out there. We're still having a little bit of technical uh, issues following that big power outage yesterday morning. Um in the second half of the show, we'll have open phones. Plus, I might play uh, audio of uh, part of my conversation with Senator Steve Daines from earlier this morning, talking about the, the so-called border bill and much more. Uh, and, and again, if you want to be on the air during the open phones portion, send us a message on our app and Travis will call you. We're able to place outbound calls, but for some reason, our incoming calls uh, aren't fully up and running yet following the power outage. Uh, great to have Rob Cheney, a longtime reporter for the Missoulian, uh, on the on the show with us right now. Rob, thanks for freeing up some time for us this morning. My pleasure. Well, I tell you, I, uh, I shared portions of your story. Uh, I shared some of the 
some of the numbers and some of the quotes uh, that you compiled in this big report uh, earlier this week on the show. But even better to get a chance to, to hear the story in your own voice and in your own words. This big uh, Sentinel missile system, the, the upgrade and the transition that's about to take place here in Montana. I mean, this is this is a massive story. It's going to have a massive uh, economic impact. It's a massive story when it comes to our national security. And I don't know if most people even know how big of a story this is unless and until they read your story. And I think you you captured how big of a deal this really is. It's going to be a uh, uh, impact all across the, uh, the northern Great Plains here. Uh, it's not just Montana and the Maelstrom base. It's the Minot base in North Dakota, and it's the uh, Warren Air Force Base in Wyoming, which has a missile field that stretches into parts of Nebraska and uh, Colorado. All told, you're looking at a footprint that's uh, about 40,000 square miles. Wow. And so, so yesterday we had a power outage. I couldn't get into our, our studios here. And so I, I ended up, uh, uh, the guy, grabbed the guys from the country station. We went over and had breakfast at Stella's restaurant across the street. For some reason, they had power, uh, uh still while, while the rest of the, uh, you know, whole swath of town didn't. But I was talking with, uh, with Paul Mushaven and I said, Hey, did you guys see this story that I wrote, uh, on our Montana Talks website about this whole, you know, nuclear missile upgrade. And I was telling them, you know, it was basically I was, you know, trying to hit some of the highlights from your story. And I think the thing that, that they said wow to was something that I said wow to as well, which is, okay, so you've got thousands of of miles of roads either in place or that will need to be put in place that need to be built. You're going to, it's it, basically, this is a, a you know, uh, what multi-billion dollar, over a hundred billion dollar construction project, if you want to think about it in that way. So there's, I think you reported there's going to be what, two 60 acre compounds where the workers will, will live. Uh, two of these compounds will be in Montana. And basically it sounds like they're going to have, their, they're going to be like their own little small towns. That's correct. Um, and that, may have a uh, a big change in the way that you feel an economic impact of this thing. The, the plan is to uh, put up these what they call workforce hubs, and they're going to, in Montana, there are proposed to be two of them. One is going to be somewhere by Great Falls. The other is going to be somewhere by Lewistown. The 60-acre the plots that they want to put these on haven't been identified or purchased yet, so this is all still over the horizon. On those plots, they're going to put modular apartments in three stories tall rows, enough for between two and three thousand workers. And the the workforce hubs are going to have their own training center, their own recreation center, their own gas station, their own medical uh, sort of urgent care level medical clinic, and uh, you know recreation facilities. They're pretty much going to be a self-contained little operation for the estimated two to five years that each build-out is going to take. Um, and the workers are all, this is a, a community of workers, they said, that um, kind of specialize in federal uh, military-type base building. So it's not 
not like the man camps that we saw in the Bakken, for example, where you just have a willy-nilly bunch of guys in, in RVs showing up. And, uh, <laughs> Much more formal. Yeah. To make it work. Yeah. Much yeah. more formal. Um, most of these guys, uh, all of these guys are going to have background checks. A lot of them are going to have security clearances because they're going to be handling, you know, military-grade missile communication stuff. It's it's going to be very different than than the oil patch. And it appears to be, you know, pretty self-contained. Uh, yeah. You mentioned the roads. One of the things that um, everybody was concerned about is how much impact, you know, moving three thousand guys onto a onto a site is going to do to your to your farm road and your little wooden bridge over the creek. Um, these guys are mainly going to be bussed in and out of work sites, so it's not going to be three thousand individual trucks all rolling down the dirt road. Uh, but it is going to be 40 bus loads of guys a day moving back and forth. It is going to be, you know, multiple loads of concrete uh, rolling across little bridges. Well, uh, I, I wonder if to an extent, that. too, yeah, if, you know, local folks. So so there was a kind of like a town hall meeting. Air Force officials uh, went to Fergus County uh, and, and Lewistown and, and had a public meeting with the locals. And I'm assuming that's where you got a lot of your great information was, was through that public meeting. Uh, with this, what were some of the questions the locals had uh, in addition to, you know, impacts on roads? Because I'd imagine, I'll bet that maybe they get some new roads out of the deal. Maybe that dirt road could be a paved road because of this deal. Um, So I attended the the meeting in Lewistown uh, on January 24th, and then there was a second meeting in Great Falls on the 25th, and I was at that one as well. Uh, There was about 150 people in Lewistown, about 375 in Great Falls. So they had... uh, a real good turnout for that. Um, folks were, were very concerned about the roads, and, you know, this is all uh, agricultural land, so they wanted to know about, are you taking care of the weeds? Um, what are you going to do about uh, putting these things back together again when i got to move cattle through here or I'm, you know, either harvesting or planting or whatnot? Um, there was a lot of questions about, uh, you know, if I'm on... Um, any of the crop reserve land payment programs and you're, you know, got a thousand guys stomping in my soybean field. Um, am I going to lose money on that? Mm, a yeah. big question that came out of the blue, um, as far as the Air Force and a lot of local officials were concerned, was wind farms. Uh, especially in the Lewistown area, Judith Gap, there are a lot of ranchers and farmers who have um, already got windmills on their property that they are getting paid for and, you know, counting on for part of their income. And the missile silos, the Air Force is proposing a two-mile exclusion zone around every silo. That um, is for their helicopter flight security uh, so they can bring helicopters uh onto every missile silo as they're doing their move around or, or security checks and whatnot. Or they might even be slid loading in some equipment or something. So, yeah, they're, they're, they'd be concerned about power lines or, yeah, especially those tall windmills. That's interesting. They said a 200-foot tall windmill is a uh, flight security risk to their helicopter crews, and so they want to create these uh, two-mile donuts around every windmill. And a bunch of property owners uh, in both Lewistown and Great Falls were saying, wait a minute, um, 
I've got a bunch of my my income is tied up in these things. Other guys were saying I had I was in negotiations to get a wind farm leased on my property, and all of a sudden uh, the phone line goes dead because uh, one of these exclusion zones is slopping over into my property, and the wind farm guys are saying, no, we can't go there. Um, And as one person put it, if you're going to encroach on my property, uh, you need to buy that encroachment. And the Air Force folks, uh, I think, were caught a little flat-footed by this. Um, <laughs> negotiate like a right-of-way. Uh, yeah, okay, if you're going to lock off this stretch of land, well, if, if you were a pipeline company, you'd have to pay for that or something, right? Exactly. Very um, interesting. But I, I went through most of the 800-page uh, environmental impact statement that the Air Force put together on this, and uh, there, I didn't find any mention of windmills specifically. Um, so I'm thinking this may have been something they just sort of overlooked. Well, and I but, could see if, uh, if maybe they wouldn't they would they would want to block anything new in the in the meantime from being constructed within that donut. But if you got somebody that's something that's already existing within that that donut, okay, maybe maybe that's allowed, and, and then you're you know you know maybe it doesn't need to be a full circle, right? Maybe there's a, a big bite taken out of that donut already there by the existing project. But what uh, I'm interested in too, so let me share some of the numbers for those who missed it. I shared a part of this piece by Rob Cheney with the Missoulian, who's joining us uh, right. Right now, boom time, central Montana braces for Sentinel ICBM upgrade. And uh, yeah, this year, the U.S. Air Force hopes to start replacing the half-century-old weapons system with the new Sentinel ICBMs in an upgrade estimated to cost around $132 billion. The Montana portion of the project involves all of the underground launch facilities, 8 to 15 above-ground missile alert facilities, 32 communications towers, possibly 1,277 miles of new utility corridor, and 1,750 miles of existing corridor right-of-way. And then, as he just told us, too, between two and 3,000 workers will live at two hubs, one near Great Falls and one near Lewistown. And, and Rob, of course, as you know, given all your years in Montana, covering Montana, that's like having a, a whole town like Glasgow just spring up overnight. Pretty much. There, there was another uh, bunch of people were wondering what happens to those towns afterward. Mm. And the Northrop, Northrop Grumman is the contractor for the Air Force who will be, they're not only building the missile, they're also going to do all of the construction work. And their representative at these meetings said, it's, uh, it's either or. We will either uh, tear it all down, scrape it off, and return it to whatever... Uh, farm field or grassland or uh, whatever it was before. Or, or, or I'm assuming build it up and leave the infrastructure in place. Stand by. i got to take a quick break here for our local stations, and then we'll be back. All right, now that we pause there, now uh, some of our stations, uh, because of our, our technical uh, glitches following yesterday's power outage, might still be relying on us feeding them audio. I know certainly like our Billings listeners, probably our Bozeman listeners uh, are certainly still hearing us right now. Uh, so, R- Rob, thanks for bearing with us here during these uh, technical glitches. Since we're on kind of a four-minute break here, normally they'd be hearing a farm and ranch report right now. Um, I thought we we can kind of continue our conversation, and then we can we can summarize when we come back on air for the remainder of the stations across the state. First, first, Rob, can you stick around for a few more minutes? I I don't know if we talked about a set end time or not, but this is fascinating insight. 
Um, I've got a roll at uh, about um, 940, 945. i got to be at the oh, okay. count at 10. Oh, perfect. Okay, great. Uh, well, so. we can wrap up with you, and then I can you know, kind of kind of open up the phone lines for our callers, as I, I kind of mentioned earlier. So that works out perfectly. W- one thing I thought I could ask you during this, you know, um, during this little break that we've got here, while the, some of our stations are still carrying us, uh, what got left on the on the editing room floor, on the cutting room floor? You know, I, I know that anytime you do a big report like this, and man, you packed so much great information in here. What were you, what were you not able to cl- include in your story that was that was pretty interesting stuff as well? There was um, a fair amount of discussion about what exactly are we hoping to get out of it. All right, Aaron Flint here with Montana Talks. So I, I kept chatting with Rob Cheney there during the break for those of you stations that were able to cut away for your local content there. And I, the, the question I asked uh, uh, that I asked Rob Cheney here just to summarize was, what story got left on the cutting room floor? You know, you only have so much space in a news story, just like we only have so much time on the radio. And it was very fascinating. I mean, Basically, I mean, Rob, if I summarize it correctly here, I mean, a bigger picture story that you're doing kind of more nationally focused is, okay, we've got the nuclear triad. And and the way I think of, of the nuclear triad is is kind of like air, land, and sea. You know, the three lightning bolts on that uh, special forces patch, air, land, and sea. Um you, you've got, you know, the air component of, of our nuclear defenses. You've got a sea-based component and you've got a land-based. We're talking today about the land-based component. And you were saying how, you know, there's some people that are asking the question is, is a land-based component that important anymore? Uh, so anyway, that was an interesting conversation. Yeah, that's, um, you know, at the big strategic level, especially when I think a lot of your listeners probably saw uh, the reports that just came out of both the Ukrainian high command and the Russian high command about the battlefield condition and the Ukrainian war, that the thing that's making the difference over there is a hobby shop drone. <laughs> yeah, um, stuff that flies so low it's re-written. undetected, yeah. Flies so low it's undetected, and you can pick it up for 20 bucks in a hobby shop and modify it and, and rearrange centuries worth of battlefield strategy mm-hmm. yeah second thing on a more on a more just civilian level is understand that this project assuming everything goes greased skid perfect is a 10-year gig maybe maybe 12 and it starts first in wyoming so uh warren air force base in wyoming is going to go first uh maelstrom goes second sometime a year or two after the first one gets rolling minot goes third so this is a project that is going to be sloshing around um probably until like 2035 before anybody even gets to think about those workforce hubs and turning them into uh a new suburb of of oh really so we won't see these these uh, new cities shall we say these new towns pop up uh it's not gonna that that's not gonna happen overnight that could be still over uh, you know a, a decade away potentially right and anybody who follows nuclear spending um you know think <laughs> about the osprey uh think about um the f-35 you know these things show up decades ago and we keep talking about them and keep talking about them and for whatever reason they don't quite work and they don't uh, come online or the funding gets diverted to somewhere else. 
I would not be holding your breath or your checkbook waiting for the Air Force to come in and, and uh, rearrange your soybean field. <laughs> and let's just hope no missiles fly in the meantime that fundamentally changes the game, given all the crazy world events going on right now. A couple more minutes here with Rob Cheney from the Missoulian. And, it, hey, if you want to call into the show, um, we got to call you because of that power outage yesterday. So uh, so message uh, message us on our Montana Talks app, and our producer, Travis, can call you here to be, to be in for some open phones time in just a few minutes. So, Rob, what are we most likely to see as that near-term target? What's our 25 25- meter target that we could be looking at here is it road upgrades is it electric utility upgrades what's most likely to happen in the next year or so uh in the next year or so in montana i would watch for air force um planners coming around looking to negotiate rights of way and uh you mentioned that there's there's 300 or excuse me 31 communication towers that are 300 feet tall. Those require a five-acre pad to um, put the tower in the guy lines and hold it up. Um, So uh, Air Force guys are going to be going around, you know, looking for for patches to negotiate on those. Um, And you're going to need to watch Congress to see whether they decide to keep this thing funded, keep it funded at the way it's going. Um, One other last thing, there are thousands of miles of underground uh, communication lines currently uh, hooking all these together. They proposed thousands more new miles, but since the cost overrun has occurred, um, there's a, a little back page in the summary of the EIS saying, actually, we might be able to make it work with mostly just the existing lines and maybe even a few less miles of the existing lines. So that changes the calculus a little bit about how much they actually need to tear up the ground. Yeah, very, very interesting. And then, you know, I, I think other things to think ahead. This first got on my radar really when, when I was at the Montana Association of County Road Supervisors last year because they had a, an Air Force official speaking at that. And I said, oh, why, why are you having the Air Force? I mean, it sounds cool, but why are you having the Air Force? And they're like, Aaron, there's going to be a lot of road work that's going to be done in the years ahead. I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense now. Well, Rob Cheney, fascinating insight, even in addition to what you reported uh, several days ago. Thanks so much for joining us here. I greatly appreciate your time. My pleasure. Anytime. All right. Yeah, keep us keep us posted uh, next time you get a, a new article written on this or, or, frankly, anything else. Always appreciate your insight. All right. Uh, normally right now I would give out the phone number for you if you want to call in and join us on the show. But, yeah, power outage, speaking of utilities, power outage yesterday, still giving us some impacts today. So we have to call you. You know, we're like Chandler Bing. We'll call you, except for Travis actually will call you. Uh, message us on the Montana Talks app, and that's how you can be on the show today. Or send us a message on the Montana Talks app as well. Uh, let's see. In fact, we have a, a couple of messages that came in here. Let's see. Shane in East Helena. Real quick, if the SCOTUS rules in favor of Colorado, apparently is that case going on right now? Uh, the the case where they're they're trying to remove Donald J. Trump off the ballot in Colorado. Uh, That must be going on right now because, yeah, right on John sent us a message that the Supreme Court is live right now. Anyway, Shane and East Helena messaged us earlier. Aaron, real quick, if the SCOTUS rules in favor of Colorado, then Montana should expel 
Zach Roush uh, or uh, Zoe Zephyr or whatever his name is for an, quote, insurrection and all the other members of the Montana House that were involved. That's, that's interesting. So, uh, yeah, if they're going to remove Donald Trump from the ballot after Donald Trump called for peaceful protests on January 6th. But if they're going to call that an insurrection, well, what about the radical transgender lawmaker from House District 100 in Missoula who cheered on the transurrectionists that were tussling with law enforcement and banging on the antique doors of the Montana Capitol? Uh, should they be removed from the ballots and expelled from the Montana legislature here? That was a message from Shane in East Helena. All right. Earlier this morning, I was able to catch up uh, with uh, Montana Senator Steve Daines just to get kind of the latest from Capitol Hill. Let me see if I cued this conversation up in the right spot for you. <laughs> well, I hope so, too. I mean, this. Oh, let me. Uh, so so I started off by saying, Senator, you know, thank you for standing up first right out the gates this Monday morning and coming out clearly against this so-called border deal, which would only make the border crisis worse. So I, I told him, I said, I said, I sure hope this was the final nail in the coffin for this uh, sham of a so-called border deal. <laughs> well, I hope so, too. I mean, this look, we, we need to secure the border. The bill that uh, was negotiated with the Democrats does not do that. And that is why I came out strongly opposed to it. And, and let's not forget, uh, Joe Biden could have kept the border closed from day one. He reversed he reversed Trump's policies, and uh, these policies are working. Remember, he, he gets sworn in, he goes down to the Oval Office, and he reverses Trump policies that were working. He stopped enforcing the law. And, and, and some people call this an immigration bill. I, I don't call this an immigration bill. This is a national security bill. This is a national security crisis with 9 million illegal migrants crossing into our country and going up every day, many on the FBI terror watch list from countries like Syria, North Korea, Cuba, Iran, Iraq, Yemen. Uh, this is happening on the Democrats' watch, on Joe Biden's watch, on Senate Democrats' watch. Why, why wasn't Biden serious about dealing with this problem when he had control of the Senate and the House for the first two years of his presidency? You know why, Aaron? They didn't want to solve the problem. They think what's happening down there is actually a good thing. And the only reason the Democrats came to the table to start negotiating this is because politically now they know they've got an albatross around their necks. And it's the politics that drove the Democrats to the table, not trying to actually solve the problem. Oh, I, I completely agree. I think they are on the ropes and they know it. So why throw them a lifeline? And I think I think that this this bill uh, would have only made things worse. It would have basically uh, it would have basically opened the door for for more illegal aliens to still flow into this country than the entire population size of the state of Montana. So how is that somehow considered border security? But I, I agree with you. I think the Democrats are on the ropes right now, and and they do not need a lifeline. We, the American people, need the lifeline by securing our border. You know, we um, had a press conference on Tuesday, and um, I, I spoke at this press conference. And what I pointed out, Aaron is that Joe Biden's approval ratings are now the worst at this time in a pr that presidency of any president in... 
Okay, uh, back to our conversation here with Montana Senator Steve Daines. I was able to catch up with him uh, earlier this morning. First, let me check with Travis. Travis, did we have a, uh, a message that came in? Anybody want us to give them a call? Because we always do like to like to sneak in your phone calls as much as possible, even if we're having trouble with our phone lines. That's how much we like to hear from you, that we will call you. You just got to message us on our Montana Talks app today because for uh, because of that power outage, we can only do outbound calls. We can't take the incoming calls. Uh, but I suspect a lot of you are kind of listening intently to what Senator Steve Daines has to say, uh, especially, uh, yeah, there are some on Capitol Hill who are trying to revive this this uh, sham of a so-called border deal. So I'm, I'm hopeful. Senator Steve Daines says he is hopeful that uh, that 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 his uh, efforts to come out against this and rally other Republicans against it uh, will be the final nail in the coffin for that sham of a so-called border bill. Okay, uh, so I then talked about how uh, Navy SEAL veteran Tim Sheehy was on Fox News or does did a Fox News interview just yesterday talking about not just our southern border, but the crime in our cities and how the, the Biden-Tester policies are directly responsible for both. One of the things I... But by I, the way, Aaron, Aaron, one thing is, I think it's, it's just that point, if I might interject, um, what we are seeing unfolding on the world stage is the complete failure of the Senate Democrats that were led by Obama once upon a time, and now by Joe Biden, with this appeasement strategy with Iran. This has been a battle here in Washington uh, where Republicans have been standing up saying, hey, you don't cut a nuclear deal with Iranians. You really think they're, they're, they want to have their centrifuges to, for nuclear power purposes? I mean, give me a break. These, these Aitolas are, are leading terror organizations that they lead Hamas, they lead Hezbollah, they lead the Houthis, they fund them. You've got Joe Biden sending billions of dollars for hostages, billions of dollars lifting oil sanctions. And let me tell you something, and this is where John Tester and I disagree very, very strongly. He's been on the side of Obama and Biden. I haven't, I've been on the side of a strong America and not cutting a deal with Iranians. The Iranians respond to one thing. It is strength. It is sanctions. That's the one thing understood in the Middle East, and this is why we're at this dangerous moment, and that's why this election is so important, why Montana plays such an important role in November of 24. Well, that's right, and, and Tehran, John Tester, continues to, you know, he supported the Iran deal. Uh, Biden continues to send oil uh, money, uh, f- allows the oil money to flow to Iran, but, but they don't want to support American energy producers back here at home in America. One thing, Senator, this may sound like a little bit of inside baseball, but I was, I was talking earlier this week. Uh, with one of our sidekicks on this show, and I and and I said, you know, I think I think Senator Steve Daines is is very diplomatically behind the scenes, moving the Senate GOP into a more conservative uh, direction, and you know, uh, and, and not only that, but I think you've you've moved the Senate GOP into a more pro-Trump direction as well, especially with your leadership at the National Republican Senatorial Committee, and so I I, I think. I, I think that is something. I know there's a lot of folks that are frustrated with the with the the Senate GOP dynamics right now. But I think I think that we as Montanans, I think I, at least I, I I think that what you are doing is is very diplomatically moving the Senate GOP in a more conservative and a more pro-Trump direction. And I think those efforts have have, have been paying off. But some people, the, the change doesn't happen fast enough. Well, I, I, the change doesn't happen fast enough for me either, Aaron. Uh, but change is happening. And and I tell you, politics. And movements are about addition, not subtraction. 
And so it's, it's, it's about leadership. It's getting people to follow, uh, to earn respect and then influence. And, uh, and, and I'm, I'm very pleased to see so many of my colleagues now getting behind President Trump. And these are, these are quiet conversations that are held in, in meaningful ways. Uh, look, Aaron, I, I have found that you, know, you, you have some, some folks have style back here. They can't wait to jump on, on radio and TV and just squawk and scream a whole lot, touting what they're doing. Um, I, I think the best results oftentimes get done uh, behind closed doors in conversations and trust. And I'm just really pleased to see so many of my colleagues now getting behind President Trump. He is going to be the nominee. He's going to be the next president of the United States. Let's start moving forward now in, 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 in winning this election because the longer we are shooting at each other, uh, the, the more probable it is that Democrats win. As, as Tim Scott said so well when he was running for president, he said, the path to socialism runs through a divided Republican Party. We have our squabbles, we have our fights, that's who we are as freedom lovers. But I tell you, we, we've got to start coming together and moving forward here because the, the stakes could not be higher in 24. We all see that. It, it could not be higher for the presidency, could not be higher for the U.S. Senate as well as the U.S. House. Well, all right, let me pause there for just another quick moment, mainly because I, 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 I want to say hello to our friends in Glendive. To all of our friends, not just in Glendive, but in, but in eastern Montana, uh, that, uh, hey, this is a great opportunity. So tomorrow, you know, the Glendive Agri-Trade Expo kicks off. The Gate Show. Uh, unless I'm deployed overseas or something, I'm at the Gate Show. I love going to the Gate Show every year. It's uh, always such a great time. Here's the deal: I'm going to have microphones open for you, not just for our friends that are there that are there with the Gate Committee or in the agribusiness community. We're going to have open microphones for you. So if whether it's our, our good buddy uh, Jerry Schillinger out of Circle or you know, our friends from Vida or our friends from uh, Miles City, Terry Fallon, you name it, Savage Sydney. Come on down and see us tomorrow morning. Uh, tomorrow morning. I'm going to get set up early so you can come down early. I can record something with you if you can't stick around for our, our 9 o'clock statewide hour. I'll be set up uh, uh, as early as 7 o'clock in the morning just getting everything uh, up and rolling and drinking the good coffee and everything else. I think my buddy Tim and Savage is going to pop in and, and see, uh, see me as well. But we want to see you. We're going to have the microphones open for you live from the Gate Show in Glendive tomorrow friday morning uh so come down and see us uh i even shot a note to the bristol defense guys hey i'd, I'd love to see your your facility because i think they want to be up and running here by what february 12th was the last that i had heard okay uh our our stations all across montana are going to cut away to their local content for those of you that are that are still actually i'll talk for one more minute here um because uh i forget we have a, we have one final uh, statewide network spot break here at the end of the hour. So I'll talk for one more minute and then Travis for uh, for our folks in the Millen